to another episode of I Am Shatoria, and I am your host, Shatoria Christian, where we talk about everything under the sun, relationship, love, friendship, and a whole lot of faith. We are still talking about mental health, mental uh, illness, and today I have two new people with us hanging out, and we're going to get back into this story again. I hope you guys are ready for it. We are here to be open and to be honest. And you know what? Again, like I said yesterday, our goal is to get healing. Our goal is to get free, but at the same time, know that it hits the community in so, so, so many ways. So today I have some ladies with me today. Uh, I'm going to let them introduce themselves. We're going to start off with Miss Miss Karen Blackwell. How are you, ma'am? I'm good. So as she said, my name is Karen Blackwell and... Um, I'm here mostly because of my role at, on the installation at Tinker Air Force Base, because uh, we started a program called Mental Health First Aid, teaching that on base. So just going to kind of give some experiences that I had uh, working with individuals, mistakes I made, things I've done, um, just to kind of uh, help with the conversation. All right. And then my other guests, go ahead and tell us about you. Uh, my name is Tamara. I'm a mom of two who suffers from depression and anxiety. My depression is brought on due to a car wreck in February that has left me with debilitating migraines, bulging discs in both my neck and my back, and I've had anxiety as long as I can remember. Okay, and I actually like the fact that this is a perfect matchup where I have Miss Karen, I have UT also, because then... There, that conversation can be had on because yesterday we talked about trauma um, in the black community that has brought on a lot of mental illness and mental health issues. However, we don't always look at the fact when we go through things um, physically as far as like car wrecks and those type of things. A lot of us that's in the military, how those things affect us with our mental illness. And, you know, and I've seen it a lot. Um, so I do definitely, I definitely like the mashup that we have today because with Miss Karen, that conversation is going to be had to where it can help T out and whoever else is actually listening as well to say, hey, this is what I dealt with. Um, so the first question I want to definitely throw out there because a lot of people don't want to have that conversation is what is mental health? Yeah, you know, yesterday we spoke about what is mental health to an individual person and what it means. But Miss Karen, with you in the field, how have you defined mental health? Well, I will tell you that I think we have this vision of what it's like. And, and really, if you think about it, all of us have to have good mental health. So we always think of it as some place you go or when it's in the negative sense. And it doesn't need to be that way because everybody needs to do some self-care. They need to do things that are actually going to help us to, to what I say, achieve the, the positive mental health. Um, and, and everybody needs that. It's not just one person or someone that suffers from a mental health disorder, but everyone. And so I think the more we talk like that, the better it gets. Um, even in the, just in the language we use, especially for those that are suffering from a mental health disorder, it's very difficult for them to seek help if people make comments that are negative towards anything that people are suffering from. And I think that's the biggest thing I learned out of mental health first aid that we teach is just the language we use um, and that we, we have to, everyone has to put effort into having good mental health. It's not something, especially now with COVID and isolations, 
all of those things, everybody, people that you wouldn't even expect to be having trouble or have, they're seriously having some um, problems that they've never encountered before because maybe they're things they did to achieve good mental health and give themselves a break, they can't do right now. So that's even more so important. No, I definitely agree. I think COVID has brought in a whole new light. I, I tell everybody, I don't, um, you definitely see the numbers climbing and yeah. However, let's talk about the other end of COVID that is going on and that is the mental issues that are coming with it. People can go out um, and visit. You have your social people, but then you have your inverse people. And right now it's a, it's a tag team. You got those who are literally trying to figure out how to cope with it. And um, I do plan on doing a live session about that next month where we have that conversation, COVID and mental health and how it's really affecting people and how it's really hurting because a lot of people, we are brushing over that. Nobody wants to talk about that. We want to talk about the deaths of the people of COVID, but how about let's talk about the deaths of the people who are literally losing their being during this time. Um, parents, and let's take T, you for instance, being a parent and dealing with. So the question that I have is, where do we take this question, this conversation with mental illness? How, because not everybody is comfortable with having the conversation. So with you and particularly T, how do you feel about the conversation itself and being able to talk about it and how people relate to you? Honestly, it's a hard conversation to have because you have people who will flat out tell you, oh, it's made up. You don't know what you're talking about. Oh, it's on your head. And then you have doctors who literally brush you off. I literally, this is, I just went to a holistic doctor last Monday. So a week ago today. And just finally, for the first time since the car wreck in February, nine months ago, had a doctor listen to me about my mental health and actually be proactive and prescribe me a new medication on top of my current medications, which is already making a world of difference. And I've been on it almost a week. So did you feel comfortable finally talking about it and actually getting it, getting it out? Yes. I finally felt like I actually had a doctor who was willing to listen and not just brush off what I was talking about. So, Ms. Karen, question for you with that, because you hear that a lot among mm -hmm. communities. How do, yes. you, how, how do you take that when you have it to where people really, and I mean, I've seen it for myself, being active duty for 18 years. A lot of people do brush over it. A lot of people do shove it up on the rug. I mean, if you think about past veterans um, who are currently homeless and everything else, and people say, well, there's nothing really wrong with them. However, a lot of them been at war and those type of things. And you do have a lot of people that brush it under the rug. Um, hence in the military, why a lot of people don't like going to behavior health to have a conversation because it's that stigma. If you go there, then you're not capable of doing your job. But how do you, as someone who's working in that field, how do you cope with individuals that do come in that feel like they have had enough, they don't want to talk about it because of the stigma that's already out there? Well, and I don't think it's just the stigma that people have of going and seeking mental health treatment. I think sometimes as an active duty member, they will feel like, oh, I'm supposed to be tough. I'm supposed to be this persona of what somebody is in the military. I can't show I have any kind of weakness at all. So sometimes it's not even imposed by, you know, the stigma in their organization or anything like that. It can be their own self-imposed. And, you know, we try to have as many different places for them to go as possible, you know, with mental health first, with the military one source and the MFLAX and all that. I know we just recently added 
like three or four more military family life counselors on the base um, so that people could have someone to talk to if they didn't feel like going to behavioral health. But again, I think it goes back to that stigma that is in our whole society. And, and you address the, the black community, that's even more so. Um, you know, we have this language uh, that people say, oh, they're special, or, you know, they're this or they're that. And we have this certain language that people will use to know that someone needs treatment, but that's just what they call it. But we can't change them, we can't do this. And that's one of the things I like about this program because it, it teaches you how to do things with people day to day to help them through what they struggle with every single day. Um, if they're ready to go and seek treatment, great. If they're not, then it still gives people tools to support them. Um, I will tell you, I was, I was one of those people. I, I had someone in my office when I worked in the headquarters building and they brought her to me because they said, oh, well, she's having all these troubles in her squadron. You know, can you just have her in your office? And every time I, I, she wore me out, she had five mental health diagnoses. And I thought, and I knew what I did wrong is I thought I'm here to fix her. I can fix her. And that was what really, really my mistake going into it that, and things that helped my mental health. I was like, well, why don't you just go exercise? Why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? And I thought if you would just do those things, you'd feel better because I didn't understand. She had bipolar disorder. She had anxiety disorder. She had uh, PTSD. Um, she wasn't coping well with leaving the military because that's all she had known. She was 18 when she went in. Um, and in fact, that's one of the reasons why the program that I started, I named it after her because I learned so much on how better to support her. And I tell her all the time, you know, the, the passion I have for teaching this is because of you, because I want everybody to understand how to support somebody that's struggling with this. And how do we become a better ally for anyone to get mental health treatment um, or to even just support them every single day with what's so tough to deal with on a daily basis? Absolutely. And that's a, a great thing. And with that, I want T, and especially with Ms. Clara here, tell us since the accident to now, how how has everything you know affected you? And I say that because I would love for Ms. Karen to hear your story, because maybe she can chime in to see where, like you said, you know, somebody's actually listened to me and know this is this is a real thing. But also for the world to hear, this is real. This is these are the things that are going on, and you are a mother too, and you're married to a vet. On top of that, so tell us how has 2020 affected you mentally, especially with COVID after the accident. Okay, so on February 12th, I was in a three-car accident. I was the only vehicle at a standstill, so I took a 45-mile brunt impact into my body. Um, I now have bulging discs in both my neck and my back. I have depression because of the pain, and I have chronic migraines, which I now have just been prescribed finally after nine months, a nerve block, as well as medical marijuana, because it is legal in our state. Mm -hmm. And um, I was also prescribed a third anxiety medication. 
So since all of this has happened, we were doing great as far as getting into the doctor, being able to see the doctor, doing my physical therapy, and then COVID hit and everything shut down. Right. I have been able to get unable to get into my doctor because my kids were at home 24-7 because of COVID doing online schooling. And there's nobody here that wants to come watch kids because of fear of COVID, mm-hmm. which again, this was in March and April when it was real hot and heavy and everybody, it was unknown. And then physical therapy, I couldn't go because I do daycare. So I have a little daycare guy. He's now a year old, but I couldn't take him with me before I would take him with me. I'd strap him in his, his um, stroller. I'd give him a snack and I do my 45 minutes of physical therapy and then we'd be done and we'd go home. Well, now then it went, it literally vanished. So I fell into a hole of deep depression because I was unable to have access to the physical therapy that I desperately needed. The doctor that I desperately needed to see and the chiropractic health I desperately needed to be into because of COVID, because everything shut down. We couldn't bring our kids. And my husband works an hour and a half away from my home. So he literally, he leaves our house at five o'clock in the morning. He doesn't get home until about five 30. So by the time that he gets home, everything's closed. Physical therapy shut down. The doctor's office is closed. The chiropractic office is closed. There's no possible way for me to get in. And my kids are too young to just for me to go sit in the car for however long it's going to be. Now, if it was a quick me, hey, I need to run into the store real quick and grab something. And I'm in and out in 10 minutes. You know, that's a big difference than being in the doctor's office for an hour, hour and a half. Dealing with whatever they're having me deal with that day. And then I was kind of, it ended up to the point that I was having to go to the ERs because migraines were so bad. Well, they're like, we'll get in with your, with your PCM. Well, you can't really get into your PCM if you don't have anybody to watch your kids. I did find one lady that would watch them, but she wanted $25 an hour. I'm sorry. My husband makes just a little bit more than that an hour. I'm sorry. Not happening. I'm not paying you 25 bucks an hour to come sit at my house and make sure my kids don't kill each other. So with that though, how, what has happened mentally? So my anxiety has gotten worse. I have panic attacks. Now I've never had a panic attack before in my life. I literally got pulled over the other day because apparently my automatic lights had gotten turned off and just seeing the blue flashing lights sent me into a full blown panic attack. So I sat in my car with my daughter in the car after I'd picked her up from dance for 20 minutes, bawling, unable to move. Because that's what it is. I mean, it's, it's the little things that you don't think of that are going to trigger you, trigger you. And it sucks because I'm not the mom I used to be. Miss Karen. It's tough. It's, it's really tough because it's just like when I used to teach um, classes on weight loss, on fitness, anything like that. It's the same thing. You have to figure out something different, different plans just to, for the self-care. So when she has those anxiety attacks, figuring out what can help her to calm down, um, who she can call, what she can do, um, because you don't know when they're going to happen. You don't know the place, the time. And, and that's why it's become very important for us to have people that will understand that just watching her. We've had several people that will see 
someone like in her situation and try to recognize when they're, when they're having that anxiety attack, having that panic attack and just going up to them and saying, what can I do? You know, you let me know what would help you in this situation um, and just be there for people. Um, whether it's COVID or not COVID, you know, you just being able to, for her, it might've been, I, I don't know what you know, normally helps you come out of it, but you know, maybe even just keeping the kids occupied. If, if her and I were at a dance, dance class, she was picking her daughter up and I was there too, you know, just saying, Hey, can I just watch the kids for a moment so you can collect yourself? Do you need anything? Do you need a glass of water? Do you need to breathe, you know, do some breathing, all those kinds of things. That's, that's kind of what is really up to that person to tell you what would help them instead of us pushing something onto them and going, Oh, you just need to do this. And that's not helpful. That's not helpful for people. They need to be able to tell you what they need and just support them and assist them. Um, so that they can come out of that really bad place um, and be able to come back to where they need to be. And see, that was, that's what helped that time. That was the second panic attack I'd had since the accident. And after I was able to calm down enough, I drove home and my husband was, had, was just getting home at the time. And I literally got out of my car. I didn't even talk to my kids and I went up and hugged him and just bawled. Mm -hmm. Because at that moment, he was exactly who I needed. And I also have one of my best friends, Caitlin, who I can speak to. And I call her often because of stuff like this. Like, if my anxiety gets high, I call her. And she's the same way with me. If her anxiety gets high, she calls me. We're just, we're each other's support person, even though right now we're 800 miles apart from each other. So, to me, with that, and this is like I said earlier, I like people being vulnerable because I'm let's be honest people need to hear people need to see because let's be we can post on facebook all day and be i'm having the greatest life ever but people don't see what's really going on behind the keyboard so like t tell us right now in this moment how you feel honestly at this moment with the new medicine starting to kick in and work i'm doing a lot better than i have been in nine months i'm not even gonna lie to you there was a point up until recently, I literally hated life. I was not suicidal, but I absolutely despised life because I was in pain all the time. So my anxiety was high. And because I was in pain, I was depressed. And well, when you can't fix the main cause, which is the pain, the anxiety and the depression just spiral and they continue to spiral out of control. So she had put me, my doctor just recently put me on a newer medication as well as the two that I was already on. And it has made a world of difference as well as the medical marijuana has helped with the pain. So I'm actually able to get up and enjoy my kids. Friday night was the first night I used it. And Friday night was the first time in nine months. I didn't have a migraine when I went to bed. And, and that's what I tell people all the time too, is that, you know, it took you how many, how many people, how many doctors before you got one that, that helped you? Um, let's see, including ER doctors, it was five different people before I got to this one. My chiropractor wanted to put me on medical marijuana back in February after the wreck happened, but he's not an authorized doctor to prescribe it. Right. So it took nine months to find a doctor and get into a doctor 
that actually was able to, for one, able to prescribe it and thought it was going to be beneficial for me. And it so far it has been. I think a lot of that has to do with, unfortunately, COVID. Um, we're slowly seeing how COVID has affected people in so many ways. It not It's not just, again, the deaths that are happening. It is literally, people cannot get into doctors. I mean, let's be honest. We've had a lot of people who go to see counselors, can't go see counselors anymore. We, nope, we I couldn't even find a counselor that would accept me to do over-the-phone counseling. And see... That must, that must be something kind of regionally because... Ours is in Oklahoma. They've they've been hand over fist. They'll do Zoom calls all day long. Yeah, now um, here in BNB, they are doing. They do both. At first, they were just doing face mm -hmm. the Zoom, or they do the telephone, and now they're doing like both. You know, the face to face and stuff like that because it is beneficial. It's beneficial to see the person. Um, because let's be honest, like like T, I, if I'm in the same state as you, I'm, if I'm doing Zoom. I can't reach you, but however, I can see you. And it's yep. better to be able mm -hmm. to see the individual and talk to them to see where their mind is at compared to having a phone conversation because I can say anything I want to over the phone. I can say anything I want to behind a keyboard. Yep. Although if I'm looking at you and I'm paying attention to, like Ms. Karen said, we're looking at you and we can see the pain in your eyes and the tiredness in your, in your face. This is literally what it looks like. And my biggest thing I would tell you is don't be ashamed of it because people need to see this is real. This is what's going on. And people are literally crying out for help. However, we like to take things and just say, eh, it's not that bad. You can't be that bad. Um, yep. I've literally had people tell me that you, you won't get better until you want to get better. I have heard that a couple of times. No, I've literally had somebody tell me that within the last month. Yeah, because I totally want to sit here and be depressed and have anxiety to the point that I can't function all day. Yeah, that I, I just, I want to do that. So I don't want to get better. It drives me insane. Ms. Karen, when you hear stories like this, being in the field, helping people, what does that do to you as a, a medical individual that is out there helping um, and cope, especially in COVID? You know, I know there's a difference between, we say, we people now call it 2019 being historic. <laughs> Because everything changed now. So when you think of cases in 2019 and then you think of cases now that we got going on in 2020, are they different? How do you cope with them? How do you deal with each individual? Well, I'll tell you that the biggest struggle for us is, is having that passion to help people and you can't figure out how to get to them. So we were using Zoom. Then they found out, you know, a lot of the the uh, features were causing OPSEC roles and things, problems, you know, with the government. Um, and then also mental health first aid, um, the organizers of it, it's, a, it's an international certification. So there's a lot of rules with it and they, they didn't want us to teach it virtually. They wanted us to make sure that we were um, trained on the virtual and we had different rules and things like that. So it was very frustrating for us as well because we couldn't reach who we were trying to help. Um, and you know, you look at not only people that are suffering from mental health disorders, but those that would become depressed because maybe uh, they're a victim of domestic violence because that's on the rise as well Correct. in our country because of COVID. And so to, to be a helping agency and try to get to the people that need the help, it, it takes a lot more effort. 
Um, and I'm not going to say the effort isn't worth it because it absolutely is. Um, but it's it takes that extra drive and pushing through different things that we're encountering to provide the same services and get people to understand things. And I, I will tell you, I feel like I'm pretty technically savvy, but to teach via Zoom, whew, it's a struggle. And I'm like, I'm like Tori, I've got, I've got a fancy new microphone now that I still haven't figured out how to use. And I got, so I can drown out other noises and I got a big old camera um, and I still don't know how to use it. It's just trying to get there to in between helping people to learn the technology to help them even further. And then you got to work with people that maybe they don't like technology at all. True. And how do you help them? Because if they don't like technology at all, they're not willing to learn. You can still pick up the phone and call them. But um, again, how effective is it? We don't know. Um, it's better than nothing, but it's definitely a struggle to try to do all three things. And on that, how do you help the ones that don't have access to mm -hmm. technology or internet, or they don't have the money yep. to pay a phone bill because they don't, they don't have a job anymore. That's a big yep. thing too. And that's one of the things that are definitely causing um, a lot of stress and a lot of issues in the community. Um, we have it to where people are really struggling in the questions, just like the questions you guys were just saying. Those are questions people are truly answer, um, asking and we don't have people to answer the questions. It's one of those things of, we'll get to it. We're figuring it out. We're trying. However, we got a death toll rising. Oh, by the way, we got mental patients over here. Their numbers are rising. Oh, by the way, let's not forget our children who are trying to figure this whole new norm out and they got social issues going on because they can't be around anyone. They can't do what they're used to doing. And let me, and, and I'm gonna ask you this question, T. Um, it's, it's one of those personal questions. How are the kids and you're coping? So I, let's take away the medicine. We, we, we know you have new medicine, but how are the kids coping with you and you're changing because I know you, you've always been very active with your kids. With it's hard. They are having a very hard time struggling with it. It's, it's literally gotten to the point where I've had to tell the kids, you need to go downstairs. I can't deal with you right now because my head hurts too bad. Or my anxiety level is too bad. Or I just, I just can't right now. So it's been hard on them, especially when you're, you're my kids are, are fairly still pretty young. I have a 10 and a six year old. So they don't understand mental health yet. They just understand mommy doesn't feel good. And they're just like, why? What What can we do to make you feel better? What can we do? And, but they don't understand why mommy's not playing, why mommy's not, essentially, I'm not, I'm a shell mm -hmm. at that point. Mommy's here, but she's not here. And that's hard. Because I have been with my girls every day since they've been born, literally, they have maybe stayed away from me five nights and yeah it I mean it's hard i didn't even have this much depression and anxiety going through three deployments with a child who had chronic ear infections got hospitalized for food allergies and literally almost died from a vaccination reaction i didn't have this much anxiety and depression with that as i do trying to cope with everything that's happening this year 
Miss Karen, what are what can we, especially um, those who are still getting treatment on base, and even those that are outside of base, and just in general, with twenty twenty one on you know on its way, what what some of the things that they're trying to implement better that people like T can have um, to kind of look forward to, and we're not even just talking about medicine. But we're just talking about those outlets because let's be honest, a lot of places are shutting down again. And I won't, I won't say they're completely shutting down. What is happening is they're kind of just going back. And let's be honest, a lot of that is because one, the numbers are rising, but two, we got the holidays coming up. Um, mm -hmm. So two-part question. So I'll pop a two-part question. With the holidays coming up, how you, what advice you can give those who listen, including T, to how they can deal with the anxiety, the depression and everything during the holidays. And then what can we kind of expect for 2021 um, and changes in the help of mental health? Well, I would say the one of the first things is that, you know, everybody's trying to figure this out. I mean, everybody is trying to figure out how to do their same services, how to do things differently. And if people have opportunities to look online, I. I have really been doing a lot of research on self-care. Yes. And I think that has been one of the biggest things when you have so much things going on that, I mean, the continual between the election, between social injustice, between COVID, between all these things, I think a lot of it is we just need to give ourselves a break and we need to get back to doing self-care that we can do in our, you know, the way things are right now. You know, COVID has changed everything on self-care, but I know for my husband and I, we don't really go anywhere. Um, but what the things we do is we're like, okay, what do we used to do? We used to go to a place that you could dine outside and you could play cornhole and you could just hang out. So we have a porch and we just set it up to we ate dinner out on the porch and, you know, we play cornhole. Um, I know in 35 degrees and soon to be minus 50 degrees in, in North Dakota, um, it may be an indoor snowball fight. I just bought a, a case of indoor snowballs. And, you know, you, you know, you just, you got to get really get creative to maybe change some, you know, some different traditions. But I think that self-care is so important. Um, giving you a break, making sure you don't, you understand that you're not the same mom, but you're going to come through this. Yep. You've been through worse and you're going to come through this. And that's literally, I had just posted something on my Instagram, my Facebook the other day that literally said, I am, oh, let me find it and I'll actually read it to you. So here's my picture. So me and my youngest, we were all dressed up and all fancy for Christmas pictures. And it literally said, looking at my smile, you would never know that I'm battling an almost nine month depression funk. You would look at me and you would see my hair and my makeup done and that beautiful baby on my hip and likely think I have my shit together. Far from it. I have had panic attacks at least three times a week. I fight myself to get out of bed every day to put on a brave face for my husband and my children. And I'm terrified of driving. And I don't drive unless I have to. I have migraines so bad that I see stars and can barely move. Yet here I am still fighting. I'm not fighting for them though. I'm fighting for me. I'm fighting for the happy-go-lucky Tamara that I used to be 
the tamer that hadn't had a panic attack since 2013, the tamer that loved driving, and the tamer that, who, that truly was a happy mom and wife, not the one I'm pretending to be. Because everything in that statement is true, because I'm not fighting for them. I'm not. Yes, them reaping the benefits of me fighting for myself to get my mental health better is fantastic, but doing it for them is not going to put me in the mindset that I need to fix the issues that I have. And every day that you get up and you're doing that, that's a win. Every time you do anything that is towards recovery, it's a win. Yeah. I mean, and it truth, it truly is. And I think that's something that people need to realize that it is so emotionally, physically, and mentally draining to have a mental illness that there are some times that we are exhausted and we've not done anything mm-hmm. because we're fighting a battle within ourselves. We're fighting to be who we want to be, not who we are. So with that, this is what I'm going to do. So when I started, I am Shatoria. I started it after years of being healed. Um, I have my own scars, my own um, battle wounds with that. And so one of the things that we work hard here is to inspire, empower, motivate affirmations. Because when we're fighting these battles, we tend to forget that we are powerful. We are. We are very powerful. Um, So I started a thing called I Am Inspired Box. And this box contains different little things and I've been posting about it, but it contains different little things to inspire you. We do the box once a quarter. Um, You can order it one time or you can be a subscribe member and get it once a quarter. But inside of this box, I have started something that means a lot to me and that's affirmation cards. And T, to you, I'm gonna remind you to always look in the mirror and say, I can begin anywhere, anytime, I can begin again. As long as God is giving you breath to get up in the morning, you can start the day again. So with that, I was writing down as you were speaking because I know you, but I also know you need a pick-me-up. So you will be getting one of our I Am Inspired Box. Oh, I love you, Tori. And in those boxes are our affirmation cards. You need the affirmation cards. They have different things on there to push you every day. So when you feel like you're just in this space, go to the affirmation card and just remind you who you are. And I always say, if you have not heard it, I love you because you are awesome. You are a good mom. And you've always, always, always are in my prayers. Um, But I know God has great things for you. He has some great stuff for you. Yes, right now you are in a time like no other. And I've watched you, I've watched you for years. We've known each other since Tinker Day. So I've watched you go from being married to having a baby. (laughs) I remember completely having a second baby. I remember all those days. So I don't want you to beat yourself up to where you feel like I can't make the next day. It breaks my heart to know you've been in that position and I've watched you. And like Ms. Karen said, it's all about not what we feel is important for you. Because I'm going to always pray for you. That's hands down, period. That's never going to change. You know me. However, I want you to know that you are important. 
And today you needed to hear from other people to say, this is how you can cope. This is how you can get through this. But what can we do for you? And from my heart, I feel like you do need a little inspiration. You need a little push to show that, you know what? I am okay. I'm going to be okay. And you're going to keep fighting. But here's the thing though, with Miss Karen here and everybody who's listening, you're not going to fight alone. There's a lot of people in the same boat as you to where you're not fighting this by yourself. People's going to fight with you through prayer, through how can I help you? How can I help you get from A, B, and C? Do you need a babysitter? You need some cooked meals? What you need? And, but like Miss Karen said, you got to find that timeout moment. I'm going to tell you right now, I had to. Even during COVID, I've been home Monday through Sunday with Janae because Ron goes in two days out of the week. And he'll call me in Mondays, be, just be like, it wants to be the worst. Don't know why. Mondays <laughs> just want to be the worst. And he'll call me like, do you need anything? Yes, chocolate and wine. Can I get some chocolate and wine? <laughs> you must have one of those days. Do you not hear me yelling at the kids? Yes. And then I had to realize that Monday is the time frame where God is saying you can start back over. So now I do Motivation Mondays. Because you know what? That is the day we can start back over. So it's time for you to look at every day and go, I'm going to start today over again. When you go to bed tonight and you were like, did I get it right today? We never get it right. No, we'll never get it right. No matter what we do. Perfect. We'll be right. But you know what? You, You can't even die right. Because literally, you can't give birth right, you can't die right, and somebody's gonna have an issue with something you're doing. But you always. <laughs> but here's the thing, though. I want you to wake up in the mornings knowing you have another day to do it again. You got another day to love on your girl, love on the hubby, and love on you. And again, I always tell people through our our movements. If you got to take it a day by day moment or take it an hour by hour moment, whatever you need to do to put that, that foot in front of the next foot, but at the same time, know that positivity is going to come from your struggle. There is a testimony you're going to be able to give somebody else. You're mm-hmm. walking through this and I guarantee you, you're going to be able to have the same conversation with another person who's going to feel exactly like you're feeling right now. And you're going to be able to tell them, no, you can get up. You can do this. Let's go. What do we need to do? We need to take a walk. You're going to be that same one. You're going to be like, hey, do you need me to watch your kids so you can take a time out? And I know right now it doesn't seem that way. However, you made a big step by even talking about it for the world to see. You know what? I've never been one. You know, I've never been one to be to shy away from telling my story ever mm-hmm. in the 11 years you've known me. I will, I'm as blunt as blunt can be. Yes, you are. <laughs> here's the thing, people's gonna hear this overseas. And here's the thing, we can all be blunt, but what we got to hear and see today is your true heart. So that's the difference. We can be blunt and speak out and talk. However, though, this is an opportunity where people get to see the heart, which is different, it reads different. And they can see you are in pain. The next question is going to be to, from me to Ms. Karen. As, and I think Ms. Karen, you've already answered this question is how do we help? How do we make a difference with the people outside of praying? Cause that's me. I'm gonna pray all day. Mm-hmm. But what is those other things that we can do? I eat outside of the medicine that she's already spoke of. What is that next thing? 
listen. That's the biggest thing for anybody because they don't want to hear what you do to get over when you feel a little depressed because it's not the same. Correct. So listen. And Help where you can. Ask, ask for it. Mm-hmm. You know, what do you need? What, what would help you in this moment? And I think that's sometimes what we do. We want to we wanna give, give things that we think that they need when they just need to know that you're willing to help with whatever they need. Um, but the other thing is, you know, right now, connections, that's the biggest thing is social connections is what we're lacking with everybody. So we have to figure out a different way to connect. So if they don't feel comfortable with COVID, it is as simple as leaving a meal on somebody's doorstep that they don't feel up to cooking or they don't feel they like in her situation, T doesn't want to drive. It's anxiety to drive. So offering just to drop off a meal and just have that network of people. And maybe it ends up being, you know, a coalition of, of women in the, in her area that they do that for each other. Um, you know, they know that they're staying at home, uh, they're stay at home moms and they, they, uh, what's that? There was a movie about that, right? Where they all got together and they oh, helped each other with each other's kids and things like that. But, do that. you know, I know that. yeah. So, you I think know, there's actually a second one of that movie now. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. So, you know, making those social connections where people feel safe, people that believe the same way you do of, you know, not not going out to restaurants and doing those things so you know that it's a safer environment for your kids, but but having that connection to people that you can help each other. And see here in our little area, COVID is very big in our county, but it's not very big in our city. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we have been lucky that the restaurants and stuff haven't completely shut down. Again, they're limiting numbers and that's about it. Even with our governor now mandating masks, our our uh, sheriff flat out said, we're not going to enforce it. You guys have to make the decision of whether you're going to wear one or not. And if you don't want to wear one, don't wear one. If, if you want to wear one, wear one. But don't shame anybody else because of it. And see, I don't wear masks. I have my anxiety. I can't have that stuff over my face. I, uh, which was actually the, I can actually tell you the first time I ever got anxiety. It was the first time I was ever raped when I was 15. And after that, if anything's on my face, I feel like I go back into flashbacks about that because of the hand covering the mouse and trying to do that. So I don't wear masks. My kids wear them at school, which they go two days a week and every other Friday. And they wear them at school. Only in the hallway or if they're off, they're up from their desk. It's the only time they have to wear them. But again, we don't wear them out and about in public. But we're also cautious about it. So I've gotten really lucky that a lot of my friends are in the same mindset of, as we are. If we're going to get it, we're going to get it. We'll deal with it then kind of thing. And yes, we do understand that it is is a virus and it is, it can be deadly. It's not that it is deadly because it's not going to kill everybody. It's going to kill, unfortunately, a slight percentage because it does have such a high survival rate. And I'm not downplaying the virus or downplaying anybody's death because of this. I'm just saying that my friends and I 
and the people that we see on a regular basis all have kind of the same mindset as us. So it kind of makes it a little easier that I don't have to worry about not, I don't have to worry about being judged because I'm not wearing my mask. Or I don't have to worry about being put down because my kids aren't wearing their masks. So I don't have to deal with that extra anxiety level of people that I'm close with putting me down for something that is at this point in time with it, it's a trivial matter. With all the other things that are going on in the world, a mask is, it, it, at this point, it's a mute point. If you're going to wear one, you're going to wear one. If you're not, you're not. I want to go back to something that you said. Um, you said first time you speaking about it. Um, I did the same thing on the last podcast. I spoke about something that outside of my mother um, never had talked about. Um, you talked about being raped at 15. And this is when you started your anxiety. Um, and I think the problem we run into is we have trauma that we have not recovered from. Yep. Um, and it passes along when we don't deal with it. And so the question I have for you is, and we talked about this yesterday on the, the, the podcast about mental illness and mental health, exact same thing. Um, there is trauma that comes from all types of areas to where we don't talk about it. We shove it up on the rug. It is what it is. We'll get to it later. The question I have for you is, have you really recovered from it? Um, it took a lot of time, a lot of time because my mother did not believe me either time. So I never got justice. So this day it has been, it'll be 16 years, 17 years here in a couple weeks and I still haven't gotten official justice but I have dealt with the issue at hand yes there are still things that will trigger a flashback here and there and it's not very often that happens I can't tell you the last time I actually had a flashback of the rapes that happened to me one was at 15 and the second one was at 16 um, although it will, I will say it has made me a little more hyper, hyper vigilant when it comes to my own daughters, but ultimately, yes, I have dealt with it, but they're still now becoming a mother and a mother of two girls at that. The anxiety is always there in the back of my mind is what if. And that part can contribute and correct me if I'm wrong with Karen, that part contributes to anxiety period you know well one of the things that we that we learned when we went through mental health first aid is that childhood trauma is one of the most significant things that puts you at a higher risk for any kind of mental health disorder um again something you're not in control of if if just like she talked about if if adults don't believe you all of those things so there's a whole section on it because we teach a youth mental health first aid and we teach an adult. So adult, we learn about different disorders that are already diagnosed and what people have to do to, to function day to day and how to help them. But the youth one is about up to age 25. Um, what are things that are normal adolescent behavior and young adult behavior and what is possibly a development of a mental health disorder 
So we talk a lot more about childhood trauma there. So it could be anything from, you know, major disasters like, you know, we've had here, both of you know, we've had it at Tinker with, with the, the bombing, the Murrow bombing and those kinds of things. And so, and tornadoes and things like that. So all of those things put people at higher risk. Now, again, what, What's our protective factors? It's the exact things we've been talking about. The social support T had with her friend, no matter how many miles apart. Um, having that support, having a strong sense of family, having those things are what helps us get through um, the childhood traumas, helps us get through having mental health disorder and being able to cope with it. So all those things that, again, some of them are absent with COVID that we have to find a new way to get those protective factors, that self-care, changing the way we would do our self-care before. I, I would tell you, it gave me anxiety going to get a pedicure with Bruce because they weren't wearing, you know, I'm a mask wearer. So the, when they weren't wearing their masks and they were seeing my high-risk husband next to, <laughs> next to someone not wearing a mask, it gave me anxiety because I, I worry about him. You know, he's got a lot of risk factors. Um, so it, you know, those kinds of things are, are continually something we're struggling with now. So again, like I said, even people that have never struggled with a mental health disorder, some people are having thoughts and feelings that they've never had before. Right. And we have to be very conscious, all of us, on what's going to help us have that good mental health. And that's why I like using the word mental health for in a positive sense. And we talk about mental health disorders instead of illness, a disorder, um, those kinds of things. And I encourage you, T, when your kids don't understand what it means when, when you're having something with anxiety on this, it's my brain and my brain has, a, has an illness. My brain has something going on, just like if you had a broken leg, you know, there's something going on that's not working right in the brain that, that, that it needs to be fixed. And you touching base on that mental health, the mental health like trauma of kids I will say that my mom seeing how it has affected me not getting the justice that I did my parents now have custody of my brother's two kids who were mentally and physically and sexually abused by their mother and those around her not my brother he was actually in jail at the time of this happening and she actually now is She's had custody of them now for five years and she's actually being proactive with their mental health issues that mm -hmm. they currently have. She has them in trauma therapy. She has them in not only trauma therapy, but she also has them in just counseling. She has them actively involved in their church where they're around kids that there are their age that have normal functioning relationships that these kids don't have because of the, sh the things that they've been through. And I will say that was one of the hardest things that I went through was a how to be in a proper relationship with someone because of my mental health and because of the things that happened to me. I think that's a definitely among, um, yesterday we talked about the black community, but that is among the women community. That is one of the biggest things mm -hmm. in the community to where, if you really think about it, um, a lot of women have been molested, raped, 
even as adults. So trying to be in a decent relationship, it it causes for a pause a lot. So the fact that your mom has definitely refocused herself to make sure she is, you know, is doing right is a plus. Um, and that is that's a big thing because we don't have a lot of people taking accountability. That is one of the biggest things I always tell people is take accountability for your actions. And see, and that's something my mom now struggles with. She's like, I'm sorry, I wish I would listen to you. And I said, you know what, mom, that's that's great and all, but it's it's not gonna help me now because both of them have been have since passed away. They were in a car accident. So I still don't get justice. Well, I would say you semi kind of got it because one yeah. mother has a knowledge. Mm-hmm. Your mother has acknowledged her part and say, you know what? My and that was that was the biggest turning point in my self-recovery from this was my mom acknowledging that she messed up and she should have listened and she should have been proactive instead of pushing it under the rug. And the one of the things I would definitely say with parents, let's let's be honest, I'm very big about it. Parenting doesn't come with a guide. Unfortunately, when we look at I am 38, my mom would have been almost 60, if not already. I think I'm counting wrong. But <laughs> really think about it. I I I've come to learn when I dealt with my mother that her past played a part in how she was as mm-hmm. a kid. And when we understand that our past plays a part, how we are a parent. This is the reason why I have uh, sympathy because they don't know. And if you think about back then, when somebody got molested or raped, it was hush hush. We're not talking about it. You know? Oh yeah, no, never. You never talk about it. And for and a lot of and a lot of moms, especially in that in that age realm, it's hard to believe because we're not going to believe Uncle Johnny touched you. We're not going to believe right. that these things happen because that's how we are made up now in 2020 especially being in especially being a a woman raised in the south that is truly a Mm -hmm. huge statement right there they do not want to believe that our family has ever done them wrong absolutely um i have this rule me and my husband have this rule when it comes to you're not letting janae we good she ain't sitting on nobody's lap and if she's not comfortable with you i don't care if you female or male if she is not comfortable we're not forcing it period all right care she reads spirit she reads vibes we're not going to do it so mm-hmm. it is one of those things as we get older and the times are changing we're we're realizing um so now as we close out um miss karen this is for you um what are some of the things that people can outside of military one source for the military people where are some other places that people can really definitely go to to get the help that there's you know outside of the social network that we said, you know, with friends and family, what are the other places professional, if they are just looking for online or something right now, what are some good places they can go and have this conversation? Well, I think one of the biggest things when we're talking about the area of mental health, we definitely have to go to reparable places. Um, And not all states have 211. Um, 211 is a directory of services that help people, nonprofit um, government agencies, but they don't have it in every state. Uh, SAMHSA is another one for mental health. Um, like I said, mental health first aid is the one that, that I, I just encourage people to get trained in it. 
um, even if it's just for themselves that, you know, they have a mental health disorder because it's still going to, it's still going to teach you kind of a guided steps on what you can do for your own recovery. Um, and they give a long list of all different um, resources to look at. Um, and, and I always tell people, it's just like, if you go to a doctor that you go, usually you talk to a primary care physician first when people, and they'll talk more about the physical symptoms than what, how they're feeling. Mm -hmm. um, and I just encourage people talk about what you're feeling mentally as well, because that's going to give them a clue to get to things you need more quickly. Um, and that's something that people don't think about because um, they might go in, I'm having chest pain, I'm having, you know, high heart rate, all these things. And really it, it, it could be symptoms of depression, those kinds of things. And I want to, um, I want to touch base on that real quick. And if your doctor doesn't listen to you, go to another one. Yeah. Same if that one doesn't go to another one, go until you finally get a doctor that's going to listen to you and take you seriously. Because yeah, that, that, was, made that, was this <laughs> large, that has made the hugest difference in me. Yeah. Because a lot of people, when they don't, they don't get listened to the first time, they just give up. And I don't want people to give up. I want people to, it's just like anything else, you know, you have if you to don't keep like fighting the first for person, what is best you gotta for find, you. You got to find, well, who's going to help you. And you also have to find there's different therapies that people would have. And you may not click with one person, the personality of that person. You may not click with the me the medications they give you. Um, she already talked about how many different doctors she had to go to, to get the right medicines. Right. Um, that's, that's the biggest thing. And, and I would, I would encourage the very first step is just to acknowledge your own feelings and say, this is normal to not be okay. We're in different times right now. And if you're feeling different things, it's okay. Well, not so much that it's normal, but that it's okay to be, it's okay to not feel okay. Right. Because we don't want people necessarily to think that being depressed and anxious 24 seven is normal because it's not essentially it's it's not that's why it is an illness and it is something that needs to be talked about so that women which and men which men I know for a fact have a harder time talking about mental illness than women do get the help they need because if you don't talk mm -hmm. about it and you're just like oh this is normal it's fine if you don't well, talk about it you're never going to get help you're never yeah, I didn't to mean to say better. it was normal as in that, but it's it's common. It's yes. something that a lot of people go through. I think sometimes people think this is nobody else is experiencing this. Oh yeah, there's plenty of people experiencing it, and they're here to help you get through your own too, and have support groups too. Absolutely. Thank you, Miss Karen. Thank you, T. I want to thank you both for being on the show today. Um, as we are definitely hitting the mental illness, we're hitting into the holidays and we're definitely, uh, first of all, I wish you guys, you know, a great Thanksgiving, um, as we are rolling into Thanksgiving, you know, spending time with love. Me too, baby. Huh? Oh. I said you too, baby. Oh, well, thank you. Well, I definitely thank you guys for being on today and we're definitely, this conversation is definitely not ending as we are prepping for our live show about mental illness with COVID. 
here pretty soon where we're going to have that conversation again um, where people can actually just chime in and actually um, speak as far as, you know, because it's going to be live on Facebook. That's the goal. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. So definitely stay tuned. But to everyone in our listening world, I definitely want to thank you guys for joining me again today on I Am Tutorial. As always, we have to remember where our heart is and you know what's going on in this world. If you got someone out there that is suffering with mental illness, please get the help. Help them get the help. Listen to them. Just like Ms. Karen said, listen. We, they all need that little bit of love. Um, hug, love, check in with the person. I can't stress that enough. Stress, um, stress it enough, please check in with them. Just say hi, check on them. I, I, I noticed that I've been doing a lot of Zoom lately because I like to see the eyes. I like to see when you tell me, oh, I'm good. Mm -mm, no, you're not. No, you're not. You ain't good. So have these tough conversations as you know, we definitely need to have them. But again, I thank you guys for joining me today on I Am Shatoria. As always, you guys know, you guys can find me on IG, Facebook at I Am Shatoria, website, IamShatoria.com, where we can keep talking about this uh, this topic. But remember, we still got upcoming events, some shows, encouragement, some inspiration. Black Friday shopping is coming up, so please keep a lookout on the website. I always, always say, always walk in love, live fearlessly, always have a whole lot of faith, and always, it's never goodbye. It is talk to you later. Thank you guys again for joining me. If you have any questions, concerns, you know how to reach me. Love you.